Well-met friends, I'm Jude Vase. And I'm Steph Midlock. Welcome to Atherbeth, a podcast exploring the malevolent monarchs of Tolkien's Legendarium. We've got... Wait, well, what? No, no we're... No. <laughs> not there yet. How's it going, Steph? Uh, it's, going, it's going great, Jude. How about yourself? Good. Yep. Yeah. We just recorded our Ather chat about episodes three and four of the Rings of Power. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was fun to talk. Yeah, guys, if you're interested, those are just short little episodes where we just kind of, they're not formed. They're just like, blah, whatever we thought about the show and who we thought was hot. So yeah, check those out if you're interested uh, in hearing our hot takes. Woo! Yeah, if you want to know who Steph thinks has 90s fuckboy hair in the show, you have to go listen. It's the center part. It's the floppy hair with the center part that does. It just is perfect. I love it so much. Um, <laughs> I was going to mention again, just here at the top, that um, I, I said it last month. I believe that the the last couple in the series of episodes that producer James and I recorded for Character Creation Cast about the One Ring RPG by Free League Publishing has now dropped. So I think, I believe there's three parts and I think you can listen to them all now if you want to hear us talk about the game and also create characters uh, within the game. Uh, it's an excellent tabletop role-playing game. You might have heard it. Uh, you might have heard it a few times here on the Aftermath podcast in some of our Hobbitween episodes, which if you come back at the end of the month, there will likely be another installment. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so you can hear us play it there. But if you want to uh, maybe make a character with us or just hear a little bit about the game, check us out on Character Creation Cast. You can find them on the web at charactercreationcast.com and on Twitter and stuff and Instagram at creationcast. And big thank you to uh, Ryan Bolter and Amelia Antrim for having us on. We had so much fun. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And yes, we'd have recorded another Hobbitween episode, everybody. So definitely check back at the end of the month if you want to find out what happens uh, to Iadar and Ozzy and uh, our good, good friend Theo and also Pumpkin's, Pumpkin's Proudfoot. Proudfoot. Yeah, baby. That was, so that we was had really fun doing fun. it. I think yeah. it will. I think it was our best outing yet. So I think you will. You will enjoy it, the listeners. Yeah. Well. Let's uh, let's get into the episode. Sure, sure. We've got many incorporeal paths to tread. So let's begin. So Jude, what are we talking about this month? Well, this month... We are speaking about the Witch King. Yeah, because it's a spooky month. It's uh, of Angmar, not the Witch King of Kansas. Who's the Witch King of Kansas? What? Oh, you know, mean like the Wicked Witch of the East? Uh, oh, okay, okay. I'm, uh, with you, I'm with you. Yeah, we're going to talk about the Witch King. I think he's one of the more interesting characters. So I thought we would do a little, a little precis on his origins, his a little bit of on his development as a as a character. Because there's some really interesting stuff there, and um, I think, I suspect that if you are watching Rings of Power, it will serve you well to be acquainted with the Witch, the Witch King. So, 
Yeah, he's got such an interesting character in the main text, but there's, um, you know, you learn from the appendices that there was a lot of extra cool stuff going on, or like he had a long history before we even get to the Third Age. So yeah, his role in the in the the War of the Ring is really kind of not his not his not his best work, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit about first his sort of like literary origins. Mm-hmm. Then we'll talk about his legendarium origins, and then we'll we'll give a rundown of what he gets up to. Yeah, we could do his quick cliff notes. Yeah, like so. It. Let's talk cool. a little bit about his literary origins. So he begins in the Lord of the Rings. Contrary to a lot of characters in the legendarium that exist within the first within like the first and second ages, he starts in the Lord of the Rings. And his existence in prior ages is built backwards. So the Ringwraiths were not a thing that existed in the first age that were then linked in backwards, if that makes sense. Yeah. When he's designing Sauron, when so Sauron existed previously in the Silmarillion, before the Lord of the Rings, right? Right. The Nazgul did not. Okay. The Nazgul came with the creation of the ring when he's writing the Lord of the Rings. Okay, that that would well that would make sense. That would make sense. Hmm. Yeah, but I mean, it, I'm just making making the timeline of the the creation timeline clear here. No, you're right because he does say we don't know from like those letters and stuff that Tolkien says like there is nothing in the Lord of the Rings that is not like well except the uh, the cats of Queen Beruthiel that are not like um you know uh, rooted in lore. But I like yeah. the idea that yeah he actually that he did build out the lore, but it was only because like much later instead of going the other yeah. way. Yeah, cool. So he writes the, the character exists as we know as we were just saying in the story, but then in the starting in the appendices. And then in the later written, the Akalabeth, which is a piece that gets attached to the Silmarillion that expands on the appendices and the, the, the events of the Lord of the Rings and the appendices in the Silmarillion, we get a little bit more information about the Witch King and what he's up to and that era in which he's operating. But there's some yeah. really interesting bits uh, that I want to highlight from the early drafts. Yes. So yes. in the earliest drafts of the Lord of the Rings, he is referred to as a wizard. Yeah, the, the wizard king, right? Well, yeah, first he's just a, not even a wizard king. He's just a wizard. Mm-hmm. He is a, a rogue member of the wizard's order. Really? Yeah. He's one of, the, he like he is, well, it's interesting because he is a man and a wizard. He's a mm. Numenorean man who is a wizard that goes rogue from the order and becomes mm. one of the agents of Sauron, which highlights two interesting things. That at that time, Tolkien had not refined what wizards were. Mm-hmm. And also at that time, he had conceived of the wizard, the witch king as a Numenorean, which is not something he ever explicitly states after that. Right. Yeah, I was going to say, that's interesting. In the, I believe it's the appendices, and, and we'll, I don't want to step on our own feet, but we will get to mm-hmm. it. But some of the folks that he, that 
that the witch king sends out to kind of do his bidding in Eriador. Again, I'm, I don't want to name it yet because we'll talk about it later, yeah. but they are referred to as like sorcerers. Yeah. Which is interesting too, because mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway, so I just want to point that out. Yeah, that's that's interesting that yeah, he was he's, referred to as a wizard at the beginning. Hmm. Yeah, he's okay. al- he always is associated with being a powerful sorcerer or or magic user himself. Okay. But the association with him being specifically a wizard mm-hmm. is dropped in the fourth or fifth draft of these chapters. Okay. Uh, when the Council of Elrond chapters in like the fourth or fifth draft of these chapters, oh. as Tolkien is revising this very important chapter, as he hones in on what exactly is the Witch King. And eventually it becomes, he's becomes the captain of the nine and the wi- wizard part is dropped in favor of the Witch King part. I love it. That's so interesting um, to see that, that uh, progression. Yeah. Wow. Eventually, what we end up with is what is told in that in the book, which is that he was a man prior to receiving the ring. He was a powerful sorcerer. And that while there is a commonly kind of like accepted theory in fandom that he was one of three Numenorean lords that received rings, because mm-hmm. we do know that's a case. Tolkien okay. explicitly states that there are three of the nine, three are high Numenorean lords. Okay. Um, black Numenorians, because they're right. evil. Um, yeah, they're the ones that, that had left early, so they were not taken by the Great Wave. They had already settled on the coast of Middle-earth, and they end up being like the dudes from Umbar, right? So I think that's the black all Numenorians. Tolkien says is that they're Numenorians. Okay. Presumably, either he gave them the rings bef- like during the during his time as a when he was captured there and they left or they were already in middle earth and he gave them rings during the fall of area door or something like that. Interesting. But, but we don't know exactly. We don't know exactly, hmm. the, but they're okay. commonly labeled as black Numenorians, uh, as you, and who are, as you correctly state, uh, Numenorians that settled in middle earth before the, the fall of Numenor. Yeah, and we're like, and they sort of like like to follow the witchiness of uh, Sauron. Yeah, yeah, but literally nothing is known about him, uh, his origins, other than that. Um, oh, wow. Third party sources love to fill in that background, but yeah. he's very little is known about that. Mm. We don't get anything about them. We don't even know when that happened chronologically. The Nazgul do not appear until. 2251 Second Age, mm. uh, which is some 600 years after the forging of the One Ring and the fall of Eriador. So there's a 600-year gap between the creation of the Nine hmm. and the first appearance of the Nazgul. Wow. So they had like 600 years to like be at a friendship camp and like learn how to be a great team. Yeah. <laughs> do trust falls. How do you do a trust fall if you're an incorporeal being? I don't know. Well, and then mm, that's why it takes 600 years. Sorry. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. More than that, though, they all it says is that that's their first appearance. They don't do anything really. Like it's not stated what they do there because it's another 1200 years before they actually do anything. Sure. Between 12, 50, 2251 and 3441, Sauron's like doing stuff. We get the fall. We get the Numenorean civil war. 
Sauron gets captured. He corrupts them. The island sinks. And then the last alliance kicks Sauron's ass. The Nazgul, nobody knows really what's going on there. But that's the end of the Second Age. Okay. And it would be another thousand years after that before the Witch King shows up and he starts his own stuff. So there is a lengthy period there. If you add all that up, yeah. that's like 29, almost 3,000 years there where the Witch King is alive. <laughs> it, where he is the Witch King or yeah. where he is a Nazgul right. before he becomes the Witch King. Mm-hmm. per se. In Third Age 1300, he, he founds the Kingdom of Angmar and begins a lengthy era of warfare and, as I have described it, general assholery against <laughs> Arnor and Gondor. Yeah. Uh, can, and he can I is, say that it, can I just interrupt you very quickly to say it has taken me four years to learn the difference between Angmar and Angband. And now I know I've made myself a cheat sheet that's attached to my computer. (laughs) (laughs) They are very different in different swathes of time. But now I know. Okay, I'm with you now. Yeah. He stays (laughs) very busy with this task. So to kind of set the scene here, it's been a hot minute since the fall of Numenor. And since the defeat of Sauron, uh, about, you know, more than a thousand years, 1300 years. And... As men are wont to do, the once proud kingdom of Gondor has fucking fallen apart. Arnor. Arnor. Uh, Arnor and Gondor have split. So you have Gondor in the south and Arnor in the north. Mm -hmm. And Arnor has split a further time into three kingdoms. Uh, Cardolan, Rudar, Rudaur. That's a weird one. Yeah. And uh, Arthedane. And into this contentious political situation, uh, the three northern kingdoms are not friendly. No. Into this contentious political situation, the witch king arrives and <laughs> starts <Hello>? gathering orcs <laughs> and un- other unfriendly types. And the first thing he does is immediately infiltrate Rudaur. Yeah. And from within it, provokes war with the other two kingdoms before sending sorcerers in to slaughter every noble family, like all trace of Dunedain blood in the kingdom. Yeah, the, the it doesn't really matter for this episode, but in case you're interested, the they were sort of those three kingdoms were kind of fighting over the Weather Hills and specifically Amunsul, known as Weathertop, to those of you who like the main stuff, um, because there was a Palantir there. Um, yeah. Arthedain itself had a few of its own Palantiri, uh, Pal- but they all wanted control over the one at Amunsul because it was kind of, it was the chief of the north, right? I think it was the chief Palantir of the north. So, yeah. so yeah, they were not psyched about that and they would like to fight each other and be squabbly and and divided yeah so he pretty immediately punks the first punks rudar like (laughs) it does not take him uh long to do that i think it's like 50 years or something like that that Mm -hmm. he's within 50 years he's got or 100 years he's got rudar down and he turns his sights on the next of the kingdoms which was cardolan Mm-hmm. So he he turns towards them and overruns Cardolan pretty much right away. Uh, and s- the entire royal line there was slaughtered, uh, which just leaves Arthedain to hold him back. 
can I can I just do a quick aside about Cardaland because it's cool? Um, it's a yeah, the Great Plague that was happening at the same time was also not helping, right? That that ended yeah. up like killing a lot of the ones from Cardaland who the Dunedain who had escaped Cardaland. But um, what's very interesting is the barrow in which Frodo and the hobbits find themselves in during the Barrow Downs part where Tom Bombadil has to save their asses, remember? That is said to be the last prince of Cardalan. Um, and remember, yeah. that's where they get those cool little knives, uh, which that Tom gives them. I think Galadriel gives it to them in the Pete Jackson movies. But remember, keep that little knife in, in mind because it's going to come up again later in a really satisfying way, I think. And remember that it was probably that those knives were made in Cardalan and were buried with the last prince. So I think that's cool. Yeah. Okay. So now back to Arthedain. Thank you. Yeah. So Arthedain is. The capital of Arthedain was uh, Fornost. Mm -hmm. So they gather up all... Uh, first, Amonsul is, is placed under siege. And that goes on for a while. And then the king at the time, uh, Arvaleg, is slain. And they abandon Amonsul. But they take the Palantir and they retreat to Fornost. Uh, so he follows them to Fornost, and he lays siege to Fornost. But the son of Arvaleg, Arafor, gets his butt saved by Círdan, who shows up with Elrond. Oh, Círdan we heard about a yeah. lot during the Linden episode. Yeah, because he's like yeah. Gil-galad's best friend, the shipwright from Linden. Cool. He's yeah. an elf. Yeah. At which This is the point at which the Great Plague really shows up. Okay. Oh, um, okay, 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 okay. Yes. So he chills for a couple for a while, and then in 1636, the Great Plague nukes what's left of Cardalon into desolation, to the mm -hmm. point where like most of Eriador at this point is empty. When you when we get to uh, the the time of the Lord of the Rings, there is this sense that like most of everywhere is fucking empty, and that's largely owed to the Great Plague, like. Everything like people everywhere. Like this is like a bubonic plague times something kind of situation. It really yeah. fucked up the 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 landscape. So this is the time in which the Witch King apparently decides to like just to be a an extra big dick. He sees that they've created barrows for the last prince of Cardalon and is like, you know what? I'm 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 not content to simply let this man be dead. I'm going to send some whites to camp in his barrow and defile his grave. So he sends some barrel whites down there to hang out down there yeah. um, and gets ready to go fuck up Fornost. Mm. So now we get our Vedui, uh, ah, okay. uh arguably the dumbest king of <laughs> Arthedane. Um, yep. <laughs> His the witch king's assault was sort of like predicted. They sort of saw it coming, mm -hmm. and this was like it was like three hundred years after the Great Plague. Like they sort of knew it was going to happen. <laughs> Arvedui sends a distress signal to the king of Gondor, but doesn't get there in time. So he flees north with all the Palantiri in his ship. Right. Oh, right. 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 <gasps> oh yeah, we talked about this in that episode I did about like the gifts of. The 12 yeah. gifts of the holidays or whatever. Yes. Yeah. Okay, keep going. <gasps> this so is he a good goes story. all the way into the north and then just like basically just ends up 
dying in a fjord in a frozen fjord somewhere and all oh, the palantiri no, no, with him are lost he's shipwrecked yeah he gets shipwrecked it's it's very interesting yeah. story he like hangs out with like the are they called the lost sarks i can't remember their i'm sorry i can't remember their name but the folks who live up in the north and blah 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 and then kirdan sends a ship up to get him right and the guys who live up there are like ah it's pretty icy my dudes you guys should not go right now and he's like no 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 i'm going to go and he gives them the ring of barahir that he has and he's like, goodbye, here, this will be yep. for you, goodbye. And then he gets on Kierden's boat. Now, Kierden's not there. But they got stuck in the ice, and they all die. And yep. that's and the Palantiri sink to the bottom of the sea. Woo. Good story. Okay, keep going. So sorry. Meanwhile, in Arthedain, Fornos <laughs> falls to the Witch King and becomes uh, his new fort, his new, like, home base. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, basically, that's the end of... Arnor in the north. I mean, there That's, are some dudes who go back and try to fight for it, but yeah, they can't get it back. They can't. Yeah, get it back. there's a few. There's a few leftovers, but we're pretty much down to like. Like that's the, effectively the end of Arnor. So now it's down to Gondor to resist. Right. Specifically, we get a dummy named Eärendil. He's not now, dumb. He's young. He's an idiot. An, uh, uh, well. <laughs> the current king of Gondor sends his son, Eärendil, north. They join up. He joins up with Linden, and uh, they meet up with what's left of the Dúnedain of Arnor, and even some hobbits show up, apparently. This is a thing that's mentioned. Apparently. Oh, and some it's hobbit not mentioned... Archers. It's not mentioned in the Tolkien Gateway article, but it's very important to me. There are also proud princes of Rovanian. So the early Rohan guys are there yep. as well, uh, yep. which I think is very cool I have that in and my important. Notes as well. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and there's this big fuck off fight called the Battle of Fornost. This is also called like the War of the War of Angmar. And it's a big fuck off war. And it it lasts a while. It's not a short fight, but it's a it's a big thing. And the end result is that the 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 war wipes out Angmar's forces and destroys Angmar itself, but the Witch King survives. They fall back. Him and what's left of his army fall back towards Fornost, and this is the part where Eärendil is an idiot. Mm-hmm. Uh, he chases after the Witch King, right? And Glorfindel gives his famous prophecy. Of, you know, no man will kill him. More specifically, Iarnor is chasing after him. And then the Witch King like turns around and is like, ha ha ha, no, I'm going to chase you. And Iarnor is pretty fucked here uh, until Glorfindel shows up and is like, look at me, I'm an elf lord. And the Witch King's like, maybe not. Maybe I would rather not deal with a twice incarnated elf. That seems like a bad deal. And Iarnor's like, yeah, let's go get him. And Glorfindel's like, mm, nope. And he gives his prophecy from, this is in the Appendix A of Return of the King. He will not return to this land. Far off yet is his doom, and not by the hand of man will he fall. So there you go. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, do not pursue him. I know, yeah, not by the hand of man. That's so interesting. Yep. So now we're at the end of the second millennia of the Third Age. Angmar is fucked. And the Witch King basically decides, like, as a punishment to conquer Minas Ithil. He takes what's left of his forces and 
uh, conquers the twin city of Minas Tirith, Minas Ithil, and turns it into Minas Morgul, which was kind of a dick move. Yeah, I remember uh, Minas at- Ithil was the sister city of Minas Tirith, who we all know very well. Um, this one was built by Isildur, and it famously had its own Palantir, um, and it was like, I think it was called like the City of the Moon or something beautiful. Yeah, it was that's like what a really means. nice place yeah. until they came and fucked it all up, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ithilien, which had been the capital at the time, was in between the two, and it was deserted, and that's when Minas Tirith became, becomes the capital of Gondor. Um, around this time, Iadonur, the dummy, succeeds his father as king, at which point the witch king rides up and challenges him and says, ha, you're a punk. You, you fled me however many years ago. Come on out and fight me now. And Iarnor is totally down to do this. I want to be clear on this. He is down to do this dumbass thing and his steward a much wiser man named mm-hmm. Mardil is like, how about no? <laughs> uh, seven years later, apparently Mardil is napping or I don't know, <laughs> oh. he's out for cheese or something. And run. <laughs> this challenge is repeated. Mm-hmm. And this time there's nobody to stop him. And Yarnor rides out with a, a cohort of knights, it says. Yeah. <laughs> no one ever comes back. I know. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> they are apparently either killed or tortured or like the, the passage is very funny because it it's very it's very entertaining because the passage says basically that like the witch king rides up and he's like, not only were you a coward, but now you're old, bitch. <laughs> and so like they ride out to face him and they just like go into Minas Ithil and they're never seen again. I, and it's I like, it's sad. do they get tortured? Do they get killed right away? Does he just hold them there and like torment them and make each other watch them being tortured? Like it goes to some, it spends like a couple of sentences speculating on what horrible things the witch king does to this idiot. But most notably, uh, this is the end of the line of kings. Yeah. Oh no. I mean, <laughs> that's ended, a big fucking deal, man. Yeah. <laughs> thus endeth the line of kings with dummies. No. Oh, he was just excited. Yeah. I don't know. I know he made a bad choice. He made bad choices. Yeah. Uh, yes, <sighs> he did make bad choices. <laughs> so that was the well, end of that. Brother. The last kind of thing that we don't see in the books is. The there he spends a he spends some time about 400 500 years later scuffling not himself directly but his forces spend some time scuffling with Boromir not our Boromir but a different Boromir yeah um scuffling with this Boromir uh steward of Gondor Boromir who spent several campaigns attempting to recapture Athelion but Osgiliath uh which is the the old capital of Gondor, of which Athelion was sort of like the center of. Yeah. Oh. Um, Wasn't Athelion a region or was Athelion a city? Uh, Athelion's the region. Oh, okay. Like the center, the central region. Oh, okay, 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 okay. gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. And okay. Osgiliath was the city. It's the capital. Okay, nice, yeah. nice. And uh, Osgiliath is like deserted at this point, and Osgiliath is the city, but Osgiliath is basically a ruin. Yeah. So, 
Um, yeah, yeah, meat morp. And it was such a pretty place. Um, um, so then there's a bunch of stuff that happens in the hunt for the ring, or not the hunt right? for the ring, uh, the Lord that of the Rings. That we know pretty well, yeah. There's a, I, the, the, the notable thing though is like, really when you consider what happens, let's list off his accomplishments in the Lord of the Rings. Uh, he fails to stat, fails to kill a hobbit. Well. Gets washed uh, away in a river. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then gets stabbed by a lady in a hobbit. Okay. Well. <laughs> oh, I'm, look, well, he also kills a king. That's millennia. What? He kills a he king. He also kills a hobbit and a king, but. He, he squished a horse. He kills a king. He squishes the horse a horse. Killed the yeah. king. Okay. Can but he really talk? doesn't get, he doesn't have a lot going on. He, it's not, he doesn't have his best, his best run there at the end. No, agreed. Agreed. Despite the fact, and I think this is really interesting, despite the fact that it says that in his appearance there at the end, he is at the height of his power. Like he has been invested with an unusual power mm. that is not normal for him. There's a note that says that like, his his principal power was fear and against those who were fearful he had particular power and during the siege of gondor he has been invested with greater physical power than yeah. before sure which i think is very interesting yeah it even says it i think in um it says it in uh, return of the king that he's like yeah got he's yeah. like more powerful than normal yeah can we I know, so we we know we're not gonna we're not gonna go over all of the stuff that he does in the main text because we do know. But I think that I I was hoping we could talk just a little bit about. Well, I wanted to first ask and, and talk a little bit about the black breath, which is something that we see when mm. Faramir is wounded, right when he's trying to uh, like mistaken or you know misguidedly yeah. retake Osgiliath. He gets shot with an arrow, and he also gets blasted with this black breath or the black yeah. shadow, which is a weapon used by the Nazgul. It's basically like poison breath that causes the victim to like go into a cold sleep and never recover. Right. And we see yep. Mary, Mary got the same thing back in Bree. Actually, Mary gets hit twice. Right. Cause then he gets hit too on the field with Awen. That's how they all end up in yep. the houses of healing. Right. Yep. I think it's an interesting thing because that is, you know, then we see Aragorn using the Athelas flower to like fix them. And that's how people kind of knew that the King had returned. So I thought that was kind of an interesting yeah. So maybe the Witch King, like, <laughs> ended the line of kings, but at the same time, he sort of helped the new king come back, uh, you know, in a roundabout way, maybe. That's an interesting way of putting it. Yeah, it's it's in uh, countering his power, mm -hmm. he helps Aragorn establish his credentials. That's an interesting point. Yeah. And I think it's I also like noteworthy that, that it's uh, the Black Breath is sort of a misnomer because it's not as though they're going around, like, you know, <sighs> exhaling their, yeah. their evil... <laughs> Periodontis at people like <laughs> oh. it's it's an aura it's like a malign aura right uh, right it's just being around them yeah. that does it that's interesting I also wanted to kind of mention about what happens which I, I think so many of us who grew up with the Peter Jackson movies are are like sort of have one idea of the witch king in that battle of Pelennor fields in our mind but it's pretty different in the book so I just wanted to very quickly yeah. give the cliff notes version of the book so basically Please. some of the Nazgul at the start of the battle of Pelennor fields are on winged beasts but not the witch king the witch king is actually on a black horse which I think 
mirrors very beautifully his march out of Angband, right? Yeah. Many, many years in the fat in the past, right? Uh, yeah. where he was also on a black steed. So he's on this black horse again, and they get Grand. You remember Grand, Grand, that giant oh. uh, battering ram? Yeah. Yeah. So they get Grand. He gets Grand and he imbues Grand with like some special power, dark powers given to Grand by the Witch King. And it takes three strikes and they break the door. And when they break the door of Minas Tirith using Grand, the Witch King is standing there on his black horse. And he's like, fucking, here I come. But no, right <laughs> on the other side of the door is fucking Gandalf on the white horse Shadowfax. And, and, and I would like to just read the passage because it's very cool you cannot yeah. enter here said Gandalf and the huge shadow halted go back to the abyss prepared for you go back fall into the nothingness that awaits you and your master go the black rider flung back his hood and behold he had a kingly crown and yet upon no head visible was it set the red fire shone between it and the mantled shoulders vast and dark. From a mouth unseen there came a deadly laughter. Old fool, he said, old fool, this is my hour. Do you not know death when you see it? Die now and curse in vain. And with that, he lifted high his sword and flames ran down the blade. And then he's like, and Gandalf is like standing there and is like not going to move. And it's at this moment in the book where a, a, a cock crows, a rooster crows, and you hear the horns of Rohan coming from the side. And it's like this you catastrophe moment. It's so good. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Fantastic. It's so yeah. good. And it's at this point, then fucking... Uh, then the Witch King's like, oh, fuck this shit, and gets on a mounted fell beast and goes to find Theoden, right? And Snowman gets, he squishes him, and then there's Durnhelm there, who turns out to be Eowyn, and there's that great, that great scene, right? That's so amazing. And it says, mm -hmm. a sword rang as it was drawn. Do what you will, but I will hinder it if I may. Hinder me, thou fool, no living man may hinder me. Then Mary heard of all the sounds in that hour the strangest. It seemed that Durnhelm laughed, and the clear voice was like the ring of steel. But no living man am I. You look upon a woman. Eowyn I am. Eowyn's daughter. It's so cool. It's so fucking cool. Yeah. And this is the moment. So then the witch king goes, he remembers, it says that he remembers Glorfindel's prophecy, right? Which is what Jude said in the beginning, where he's like, he was not going to be killed by man. Well, there we go. And it's at this moment, well, they sort of go back and forth with the mace and Eowyn gets her arm broken. And then Mary stabs the stupid witch king in the knee, in the back of the knee, with the blade of Westerness, which was, remember I asked you to remember those uh, those little knives that Tom Bombadil, that was the blade that was made in Cardolan, that was mm -hmm. buried with the la I love that that was part of the, down the ultimate downfall of the witch king. I just think that's beautiful and nice and a great bookend, right? Yeah, absolutely. Then he falls down and the Eowyn stabs him in the face. And, and I just wanted to read the last part, if that's okay. Please. This is the last we hear of him. Eowyn fell forward upon her fallen foe, but lo, the mantle and hauberk were empty. Shapeless they lay now on the ground, torn and tumbled, and a cry went up into the shuddering air and faded to a shrill wailing, passing with the wind, a voice bodily and thin that died, and it was swallowed up 
and was never heard again in that age of this world. <gasps> so cool. So there's an Fuck interesting you. thing. In one of the letters, Tolkien says that he was reduced to impotence rather than completely destroyed. Not Ooh. unlike the way that Saruman was when he is shanked by Wormtongue. Yeah. Uh, that he is disembodied, basically, and shattered, but not killed in a traditional sense. Reduced, he's t- basically taken off the board, and that I it is know, not though. until his, well, and that it is not until his, until Frodo destroys the One Ring that he is finally, oh. completely destroyed. Because once the One Ring is destroyed, then he, then he is released and he he is passes beyond the world. I see that. That actually makes a lot of sense. Are you going to talk about the early versions of him at the end? Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, well, which version? Well, so I I look on on good old Tolkien Gateway. They mentioned a couple early versions, and I went back into the histories and like looked them up to corroborate and like found the quotes. So there's an early version where the Witch King survives the battle, right? Mm-hmm. And instead, he and Tolkien kind of indicates that maybe he was the ambassador at the Black Gate instead of the mouth of Sauron. Um, Can, Tolkien writes, and the I person of the ambassador. I just want to say before you read that quote, I'm glad yeah. that didn't happen. Mm. Because the mouth of Sauron in the Peter Jackson movie is one of <laughs> the most enduringly fucking creepy parts of those movies. I am not freaked out by the Nazgul. The only two things in those entire movies that freak me out is Gollum Bilbo and the mouth of Sauron. <laughs> that mouth They're of Sauron well is fucking creepy. Yeah. And I love that it exists. So... Yeah. Anyway, carry on. No, this so basically Christopher is saying that like um at the end that the end of book 5 had been written by his dad long before it was like fully outlined and so there were, you know, so there were some there was a lot of stuff that was not changed, but then there were some sort of critical changes. And one of them was like, he, possibly these, this identity of the ambassador. Uh the quote is, and the person of the ambassador, doubt fully identified as the wizard king see there's that wizard king thing mm-hmm. implying a different view of the outcome of his encounter with Awen and mary in the battle of pelinor fields but certainly a nazgul flinging off his garment and he vanishes so that's one and then there's another manuscript in which uh so just to center us so frodo is at the cracks of doom and it, and 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 basically the witch king shows up so i'll read it so again, this is like not, this is not a complete thing. This is, so right now, so what I'm about to read is in Sauron Defeated, part one, the end of the third age. And on the version that I, that you had, Jude, it was page five, but it says, Gollum has it, he cries, no one else shall have it. I will destroy you all. He leaps into the crack. Fire goes mad. Frodo is like to be destroyed. Nazgul shape at the door. Frodo is caught in the fire chamber and cannot get out. Here we will all end together, says the ring wraith. Frodo is too weary and lifeless to say nay. You first, said a voice. And Sam, with Sting, stabs the Black Rider from behind. (laughs) I'm like, what? That's so cool. I love that. There's also one alternate version as well that reads, this is on that same place, uh, but in pages six to seven. 
Frodo turns and sees the door blocked by the wizard king. The mountain begins to erupt and crumble. Here we will perish together, says the wizard king. But Frodo draws Sting. He no longer has any fear whatsoever. He is the master of the Black Riders. He commands the Black Rider to follow the ring, his master, and drives it into the fire. And, and uh, drives it into the fire. So basically, like the Witch King, like throws himself into the yeah. fire. Kind of dope, right? So what do you think? Very. That's that, those are cool. No, I I love that they exist. I definitely think it works from a like metaphysical standpoint. It makes more yeah. sense for the Witch King not to survive mm-hmm. that encounter. And I really love a. I mean, Eowyn killing the Witch King is oh the best. I mean, it's such an iconic moment in the in the series. I oh, would yeah. not trade that for anything. Me too. I would never take it from her. It's perfect. I just think these yeah. are kind of neat. Neat to think. Of. I like the Sam one where he's like, you yeah. first fuck face. Yeah. The Witch King is a great example of why I think it's so valuable to have the, the histories because we see so many interesting things here. We see the development of the wizards because we can see that his, his, his conception of what a wizard is, is evolving. And it means that the Witch King can't be one. Or at least yeah. he doesn't want it to be one. We yeah. see his conception of like what he wants the Nazgul to do changing. And then we see his idea of like what it means for the ring to be destroyed and what that implication is, what the implications of that on the Nazgul are evolving as he writes. Mm-hmm. Because then we get this diff, this more sophisticated interpretation of what that would do to the witch king yeah that's interesting. which i think is fascinating i i think it's really interesting to to follow along so to speak with his the evolution of his of his thinking yeah absolutely yeah it's neat it's neat to go back and i mean i find the histories like a little bit difficult to like read and to understand and um to follow but like boy yeah if you take it like snippet by snippet it's very very cool yeah absolutely. yeah the histories i found are not they're hard to read, like, as a book, but mm-hmm. as a, like, if if you Agreed. are a fan and you are looking for a, 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 a reference site, we, in our research, we often use Tolkien Gateway for one, at least for my purposes, for one specific thing, the references. Yes. Tolkien Gateway articles references. have a fuck ton of footnotes. So you can go look up anything and it'll say, like, this, you know, Appendix A, Appendix C, Peoples of Middle-earth, Chapter 7, and it'll list off what they where they go. And that's a great starting point to do your own research. Yeah, exactly. And then you can start, then you can read those sections and that'll that'll kind of direct you because there's so much. And there's yeah. there are indexes, but this is a great I find Tolkien Gateway is a very good way to sort of punch yourself in and get yep. started on on reading stuff. And um the histories what got me to that thought was that the histories can be very dense to just read through. But if you know what you're looking for, or if you're reading specific topics, they can be incredibly informative. I wish that someone would, could take all the information in the histories and like turn that into a dope ass wiki. I mean, you couldn't because mm-hmm. there'd be copyright issues with it, but it's too bad. You can't because there's so yeah. much cool info in there, but yeah. it, I mean, it would be, I mean, they're just so dense and it's so hard to access some of that info sometimes. Uh, yeah. And even like the indexes I've read are very hard to get through. 
Yeah, and while while you know you and I have made the point many times that there is no real Tolkien canon because of there so many different versions of stuff and blah blah blah. Yeah. Um, it is important to remember that the histories are sometimes dubious, right? Because if you if you if you just pick it up and start reading, uh, it could have been it might have been information from an earlier version that isn't right anymore. So definitely, yeah, yeah make sure to go back and <laughs> just because I think a lot of things had, were you know were very changeable in that time. Yeah. So yeah, they're cool though. So. They are cool. I think that this series, I think the idea of the Witch King brings forth a very interesting theme in Tolkien's writings that I wanted to kind of talk about a little bit because it yeah. feels like we're sort of ending ending soon. So uh, I think this so beautifully outlines the theme of like evil shows up and is most potent when we are divided, right? Or when we are, we as a people of like men or elves are, are sort of infighting. That's when evil takes hold. We see that yeah. time and time again, but it's very beautifully sort of bookmarked with the Witch King, right? Because he was able to yeah. fuck up Arnor because they had already started to divide, right? Yeah. And then in the end, like, they, it was, it's all about sort of divide and conquer with evil in Tolkien stuff. Yeah. Well, and and he, I think it's, he's defeated yeah, by the unity of, the, of Gondor and Rohan. Yep. And that's like a perfect chef's kiss, right? A perfect way to end that story of the witch king is like finally yeah. being defeated by people coming back together. And I just think that's a really hopeful thing and a great lesson maybe to, to be, <laughs> to keep in mind as we're reading Tolkien. Tolkien. When I was at Oxenmoot uh, this last year, a lot of people were sort of pulling out these overarching Tolkien themes. And I, um, and I want to start doing that because I think it's interesting and helpful for me because they're there. And you know, once you start kind of naming them, they're, they're very apparent. And I think this is one like, yeah, Stay together, my dudes. Like, keep keep unified. Yeah. Don't split the party. Cost. Don't split the put. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> that's a that's a that is a tabletop gaming term that we always say a lot. Don't split the party. That's when you die, right? And, <laughs> and then don't we split your do. group, right? Because it's fun. Uh, is there anything else? Are you you feel like we're no? I think that's that's about all I had. Thank you for yeah. your contributions there. Those were really good quotes that you had there at the end, and I, I think those nicely rounded out what we thank had. you no jude thank you so much for uh doing this outline and for for kind of leading us through because this is a long history and the witch king i know is someone who you are very interested in and you bring up yeah. ang mar a lot and i was always like i don't know who this guy is really you know like i i didn't yeah. understand the full depth of his like evil and also his kind of fuckery because he didn't always yeah. do a great job as you say but i thought yeah. you did an excellent job of presenting him to us so thank you so much thank you. dear listeners tell us what you think about the witch king did you think he was a little bit inept at his job and maybe didn't do the <laughs> best work <laughs> maybe he should have had a flotation device he's very on old. his horse he's extremely elderly by there's by a lot the of old people who do a good job <laughs> I, I just feel like maybe we're not giving him credit for being a senior citizen Oh my God! <laughs> The road may go ever on and on, but this episode is over, not unlike the original line of kings. 
Ooh. <laughs> if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes as it helps increase our visibility and it makes us feel good. We read all of them, so thank you so much. You can find us on the web at podcast.atherbeth.com. You can find the show on Twitter and Instagram at atherbeth underscore cast. My pal Jude can be found at Aramidic Jude, and I can be found at the North 4. Producer James, who edits all of our episodes and makes us sound super, super good, can be found on Twitter at jpearson. Title music is Lord of the Devil Rings by Pony Music, courtesy of Pond5. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Like, uh, it was yeah. restored by uh, what's his name? Um, I don't know. Oh, um, uh, the guy, the guy, Eldacar? No, was it? No, fucking what's his name? El- uh, what? Denethor? Who are you talking about? No, from Lord of the Rings, the Returned King. Aragorn. Yeah, there we go. Elisar. Okay. Elisar. <laughs> yes.